All right, welcome back. December 18th, Ryan always joined with... Ryan, it's the two Ryans. Two Ryans Sports Show, back at it again. Ryan, we uh, we have some great interviews coming up. I don't want to spoil those for people, but we have some good ones coming up. I, I can't wait to have everybody else hear what we've already heard. I know we pre-record some of our interviews, but folks, the next the next couple are... They're out of this world. Yeah, they really are. And, you know, of course, Colleen was one of our favorite interviews we've done through this whole, you know, time that we've been doing it already um, while we keep getting good interviews. And she was fun. And I can't wait to preview that at the end of the college recap. But we'll preview. Excuse me. We're, we're just uh, we're, we're so excited right now, guys. We, we have a lot of good stuff coming up for you. Uh, some good future segments as well that we're working on. Um, but, Ryan, we talked about it last episode, maybe even the episode before that. Uh, this is conference championship week. Are you ready? I, I don't know if I've ever been more ready for a conference championship week. This, this year, as weird as it's been, feels different. It feels very different. Um, one thing I cannot wait for is I feel like everyone has their idea of the four. It's going to be Clemson regardless, Notre Dame regardless, Bama you know, whatever happens in those games and Ohio State even. But I don't think that's the case. I think there's going to be some serious fallout after Saturday. There typically is during conference championship week. Sometimes you have teams, even if they play close games, they still make it in. But that doesn't mean everything's set in stone, especially in this year. Um, Before we get into the big in-depth conference championship matchups, it's still a conference championship. It's a power five. Uh, It's... You know, it's unfortunate that Larry Scott is the head of the Pac-12. He does things like unable to get them TV deals. Pac-12 Network's only exclusive to Dish Network. Okay, so that, you know, that eliminates half the country right there because the Big Ten Network's everywhere, right? The uh, Fox Sports 1, even though a lot of people still don't have that channel, a lot of people do. Um, You have the Big 12 on ESPN+, Plus, which a lot of people pay for. You have the SEC Network, ACC Network. Those channels are all readily available for conferences and regionally, of course. But there's something about the Pac-12 that, unfortunately, on our side of the border, Eastern, you know, uh, anywhere from Midwest over, we don't get the games. We're typically up, you know, anyway. And games, when they do kick off, you know, we're falling asleep by, like, in the middle of the first quarter. Uh, but USC, Oregon, uh, Friday night tonight, um, Washington had to drop out. Oregon took their spot. Um, I really, really think USC needs this win to give uh, them momentum going forward in the program because I don't think they have their head coach. Well, do you remember when Pac-12 games actually – I don't want to say they're unwatchable, but do you remember when Pac-12 games actually mattered? I mean, it was just two, three years ago, Washington-Stanford was a top-10 matchup that determined uh, Washington essentially getting into the playoff. Like, where's that Pac-12 conference been from top to bottom that we used to hear about, especially in the Pac-12 South, that was one of the toughest divisions in all of college football? Like, What's happened, and, you know, it's hard to judge a team when they've only had six games, and a lot of those Pac-12 teams anyway only had two or three in a six-game schedule. I mean, that's so hard to do, and they were the last conference, unfortunately, to make it, the big ones anyway, to make it to the table with some sort of plan, I guess, you, if you want to call it that. Well, I, I think back even a little bit further, too, when, when you're talking about, like, the Reggie Bush-era Trojans or 
Uh, even the Marcus Mariota era Oregon Ducks or the Oregon Ducks that played Auburn in the championship game. The Pac-12 is losing a little bit of its luster. It's, it's definitely, in my opinion, the fifth of the Power Five conferences, and you kind of alluded to it, talking about the TV deals. Um, it, was a, it was a big deal to go to USC back in the day. You signed to USC, you knew you were signing for a, you know, a power football team. And certainly they're ranked, what, what is their ranking now, 15 in the nation? Yeah, 15. So, I mean, no matter who wins this game, they're not going to get to go to the Rose Bowl because that's part of the playoff this year. So they're just going to get an at-large New Year's Six Bowl, which, you know, is great for the program, right? But, I mean, in, in the large picture of things, USC needs this more than Oregon. 15 is nothing to, nothing to scoff at. But it's not it's not that standard that I feel like we're used to seeing with the with the Pac-12, because, I mean, the Mariota Oregon teams were fun to watch. The Reggie Bush Trojans were fun to watch even a little after that. They were fun to watch. But I don't know. It, it's those TV contracts. And I think I think there's there's this whole big argument you could make about people don't see them. They don't want to go there. But I think some of that's true. Yeah, and just uh, it was last year or the year before Utah was, you know, ranked number five or six in the nation and half the country, you know, unless you were diehard college football fans like me and you had no idea that those guys over in Salt Lake were as good as they were. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't end up making the playoff that year uh, due to a loss. But I mean, when you turn on a Pac-12 championship game and I don't figure they're going to have fans tonight, uh, half the stadium's empty anyway. And they're moving it from Santa Clara all the way to Vegas, which is where a lot of Pac-12 conference stuff's held anyway uh, for tournaments. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm going to watch the game. You know, it's going to be background noise, uh, I'm sure, around the third, fourth quarter because it, there's just something missing. And, and I feel like there needs to be some sort of change. You know what I think would be a great fit before we get to our next game? The Pac-12 network becoming uh, part of Fox's coverage because Fox could take control of that, like they did the Big Ten Network, combine that, really take a grasp hold on Big Ten coverage, Pac-12 coverage, and really give it the push it needs. But unfortunately, you know, you got a commissioner for the conference who just doesn't seem to make any good business deals. Um, but let's get into it. At noon on Saturday, Ryan, this is uh, we got two games, so we'll do the first uh, big noon game here. Northwestern Ohio State. This is playoff all over the board. Um, I feel like the Big Ten. Well, they changed the rules for Ohio State to get into the playoff for the the conference to make money for Ohio State to make money. And when you think about it, I mean Justin Fields. He's a great quarterback. Fifteen touchdowns, three picks. Uh, on the season, I just – I hate that the fact that they're in the Big Ten title game. And uh, the country <laughs> – uh, America only thinks 9.1% of people think Northwestern will win this game on Saturday. I'm not – I'm not uh, – I, I give Northwestern about a 60-40 chance. So you you understand how, how important Ohio State is to the Big Ten and to the national scope by the Big Ten changing the rules for them to participate in the conference championship with five games. This is, this is Ohio State's playoff life. If they don't win this game, they will not be put in because we saw it last weekend with Florida's game uh, who had an outside shot probably any way of making the playoff. They would have had to win the, the SEC game, which we'll talk about. But we saw that with a team that played their 10th game of the season and fell off. So Ohio State has an opportunity to kind of buck that system, whether you, whether you like it or not. 
all they have to do is beat Northwestern. Now that sounds like it, you know, 91% of people think that should be relatively easy. Northwestern's not going to, not going to shy away from them. Northwestern wants to end this. And I, I, I see no way that if Ohio state loses this game, that you can even consider them for a playoff spot. They, they absolutely have to win this game to be considered unless things shuffled at the top, but they're not going to shuffle that much. So Ohio state needs this game. I'm, I'm giving the nod to Ohio state though, whether you feel bad about them or not, they're, they're the better team in this situation. I think that they'll win for, you know, 14, 17 points over. I mean, this is a rematch from the Big Ten championship game from two years ago, and Northwestern gave them a game until about late in the third, early in the fourth, when Ohio State pulled away and ended up winning by two touchdowns. I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, we're not in that committee room, but on Sunday and, you know, Sunday morning, late, you know, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, however you look at that, uh, late Saturday night, do you think if Ohio State loses, let's say they lose a close game on Saturday, the committee committee is going to put them in because a lot of people, you know, don't think Texas A&M is one of the four best. Well, and that's and that's kind of the that's kind of the hard part to determine, right? Because we look at it from a standpoint of is is it clear that these are the best teams? And, and I sometimes think about it in this in the sense of a four and five matchup. If, if you have a debate about that last spot, could four beat five or could five beat four? Certainly anything could happen, but even given a small sample size, Ohio State may still be the better team. Texas A&M's loss is, is now, or Texas A&M's win over Florida, which is their best win, is, is a little bit minimalized now because of the game results. I don't think the committee is going to step up and, and put an Iowa State in, even if they win. I just don't think they're going to try to make that argument for it. And, and they're certainly, they don't even care about Cincinnati, apparently. Apparently Cincinnati is, they just don't matter. What, whatever Cincinnati has done to the committee to upset them is is noted. <laughs> because Cincinnati just, they are not even in the picture anymore. And, and that's sad because they're an undefeated team. Uh, most likely will win their conference championship. But I, I think Ohio State is probably still going to get the nod, barring they get blasted by Northwestern, in which case, Texas A&M, if, if they're able to handle Tennessee, which I think they will, would, would likely get that nod. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's just move along to the other noon game. I mean, if you have a two-TV setup or, you know, laptop TV, make this a two-TV during uh, noon, okay? Two TVs. Just keep that in mind, folks. Because Oklahoma plays that team in Ames that I think actually has a really good shot of making the playoff and slipping in at number four and actually possibly leapfrogging Texas A&M. And maybe they, they end up at five if they beat Oklahoma on Saturday. It's because of people like Brock Purdy, 2,272 on the season, 17 touchdowns, six picks. Now look, that's not lighting anything up by any of the, the imagination, but I mean, the guy's been there since the Reagan administration. I mean, he helped, you know, in, you know, in, uh, <laughs> in the cold war. Okay. Like that's how long that guy's been over names. I mean, that game was Spencer Rattler on the other side, who really came into his own, as we talked about it way, you know, many episodes back, but really came into his episode, uh, you know, came into his groove in the middle of the season when they went on that winning streak. And they had that huge win in Bedlam, which obviously really shifted the tide for them, I think, as far as believing that they're the team that still holds the grasp on the Big 12. 
But I, I love that team in Ames, man. I really do. I think, I think Matt Campbell is going to come out with an excellent game plan on Saturday because I feel like that he thinks and that team believes that they deserve a shot to be in the playoff. Just, you know, you know, it has similarities to, it has similarities to the Penn state team from a couple years ago who didn't get in the playoff, but they really believe they could beat Ohio state. They did. It has similarities to the TCU team that somehow it still never makes sense. Dropped from three in the uh, second to final rankings in the first playoff year to number six, those two teams where they just believe they could beat anybody on the field. I love Iowa state cyclones winning Saturday. What do you say? Well, I think this is kind of a David and Goliath matchup, right? Maybe, maybe not in this year because Ohio State – or, excuse me, Iowa State is ranked higher. But Oklahoma is still the blue-chip team of this of, of this conference. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Them and Texas are always going to carry the namesake in the Big 12, and, and that's just the way that it is. Oh, I keep saying Ohio State. I don't know why I'm so fixated on that. Iowa State, the Cyclones, they also have the nation's leading rusher in Brees Hall. Brees Hall is the nation's leading rusher, so they can center their offense around him. But Oklahoma also is the fourth-ranked rushing defense in the nation. They're giving up 88 yards a game. So this is going to fall a little bit more on Brock Purdy's shoulders and the defense as well. The defense is going to have to step up and and win this game for him in some capacity because Oklahoma's offense is high-powered. Even in in what is considered a, a down year for them, they're still one of the best offenses in the nation. And look, you're not going to beat them if you can't keep them off the field. So they're going to have to manage this and get first down somehow, even if it's a short passing game from Brock Purdy. I love, and we've we've continually said it, and I think we'll just keep saying it, but I love what Matt Campbell's doing with that program. He's the coach of the year in the Big 12. It's undoubtedly deserved. This is going to be their toughest task, though. And and they if they can win this game, this puts them into an echelon that not too many teams see. Uh, especially not too many Iowa State teams see in, in their history. Yeah, I know we're both uh, going to have two games on at the same time for Saturday, um, you know, for, for both of these games. But if you had to pick one, um, I think I'm actually going to go with the Big Ten title game. If I had to pick one, what, what, which one would you pick if you could only do one on Saturday? Well, the good news is, is if I would pick the Big 12. So if, if we do come to that situation where we can only watch one, uh, we can both just individually talk about what we saw. So let me know if you don't have your second screen and we'll just coordinate it that way. Okay. Okay. Uh, but look, guys, we've talked about it. You want to talk about something we've talked about a lot on this show. We, we have not talked about a matchup upcoming more than this Clemson-Notre Dame matchup. The reason why, and of course game day is going to be there on Saturday. Why wouldn't they be? I mean, this is – it's a playoff quarterfinal. There's no other way around it than that's what it is. And Trevor Lawrence, 20 touchdowns on the year, three picks. I mean, the guy was out, what, 14 days, still having that kind of season. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, Ian Book on the season, 15 touchdowns, 2,382 passing yards. And you want to talk about guys who've been at a school for a long time. Uh, Travis Etienne, 12 touchdowns on the season. I mean, I feel like that guy is – 45 years old running for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I mean, this game from top to bottom, 
what I love about it is not so much the quarterbacks, but that's where it's going to be highlighted. Right. And that's where they're really going to touch on that on, on Saturday, obviously, but where I love it. And a lot of those strengths lie in that matchup is actually on the outside for the wide receivers for Clemson and the corners for Notre Dame, because Notre Dame's secondary at times this year did not look good, especially in the first Clemson game when Trevor didn't play. So that's a, that's something that everyone's going to be talking about on Saturday for this game is, well, Trevor didn't play the first game and Clemson almost beat him. Yeah. Well, you, you know how we always talk about controlling the line of scrimmage and, and that's, these ads just pop up all the time on my computer and it drives me nuts. Okay. So, <laughs> so looking at, looking at what Notre Dame brings to this game, you know, just, well, I want to look back for a second first, just remember how great that first game was. Remember how fun that was to watch. It was best of season. Undoubtedly. I think the only game that I can, you know, I think of the LSU Florida game. It was fantastic. I think of the Coastal Carolina BYU game. It was also fantastic. But this this game stands alone. And if we can get a repeat of that in, in some capacity on Saturday, we're going to be living large. I think this game's going to be one on the line of scrimmage because Notre Dame has the eighth ranked run defense in the nation. And the first time they played Clemson in that game, now I understand that it was a little bit more of a shootout between two teams, but Travis Etienne had 18 carries for 28 yards. That's 18 carries for 28 yards and one touchdown in that game. Now, DJ Weongalale, he was fantastic. He was fantastic in that game. And everybody's argument is, could Trevor Lawrence be much better? I think that Trevor Lawrence can put up those numbers. I think that he can also be great. I don't think that there's any argument about that. But this game is going to be one at the line of scrimmage because the first game, too, looking back at the run statistics, Kyron Williams had 140 yards and three touchdowns in that game. So if you want to win this game, your defensive line better come to play because this is where it's going to be won. Certainly Lawrence and Book can hurt you on the outside, and those matchups are going to be ones to watch with Notre Dame secondary. But if you can get to the quarterback and create havoc, we could be talking about a much different game. But I, I truly think that when, when you're talking playoffs, it, it, does not, it does not get any better than this. And I can't remember a matchup that I've been more excited for in, in the playoff era as, as far as a championship weekend game. Yeah, there, there's definitely been a few that stand out to me as far as very important matchups. I mean, the Ohio State-Penn State uh, Conference Championship from a couple years back was very huge. Um, you had Bama a couple years ago. I believe they were playing Georgia uh, in the SEC Championship game. But this is – I mean, this doesn't get any bigger. I mean, because Ian Book's probably going to end up being a first-round, early second-round pick, depending on how he performs at Combines, obviously. But they're already talking about that. Trevor's – look, it, it's certain – it, it is absolute certain he'll go first overall. And unless something happens where, you know, essentially uh, a Manning move type is pulled and, you know, they say, hey, we don't want our son playing for New York and he gets traded, that's the only way that doesn't happen. But it has NFL talent all across the board. Travis Etienne, he's going to be a first, second round type back. You have uh, – the kid that you just mentioned, Williams, he's going to be, you know, a second, third round pick. I mean, there is so much talent across the board. I guess my biggest question, 
question for you is because this game is so huge and they, and they talk about it all the time in college football. And it, and it really is true. If you lose late, that should be a penalty against you. You should not have the option to lose a game and then be into the playoff. Do you think whatever happens Saturday, regardless, both teams are in? Cause I don't, I don't buy that. I don't either. And the reason that I wouldn't buy that and I would have a lot of questions if that did happen is because how could you then make the argument that Clemson, albeit great, they've had a great season, but if they lose twice to Notre Dame, you're talking about a team that has then lost twice to a playoff team and does not have a conference championship to show for it. So then let's say just based on our earlier talks, let's say Iowa State wins. How do you keep a team that has one loss to a ranked Louisiana team out of the playoff? I understand that it's not the same. Notre Dame is a better team than Louisiana. I understand that factors into this. But you're talking about a team that's lost twice. So then my question is, is are you really, really going to try to sell a third matchup of Clemson and Notre Dame potentially? Because at, at, that, at that sense, I think what would happen is, let's just say Ohio State wins, um, Clemson loses, but they are in the playoff. You're going to shuffle that around so it's not a, it's not a Clemson-Notre Dame game again. So Ohio State's going to move up to three. Notre Dame stays at two. Clemson would move to four. If Clemson is able to beat Alabama, which, note, I don't think would happen, but if Clemson's able to beat Alabama in that game and Notre Dame knocks off Ohio State, which I think would happen, do we? as good as it may be, is, is it a third time really a good sell in the same season? I, I don't think so. I think you really have to think about moving in Iowa State uh, or, you know, as much as people don't like to hear it, maybe a Texas A&M into this because – I just don't I just don't see accepting a team that has two losses to the same team who is in the playoffs. I, I just can't see putting them in. You have to put a conference championship winner or somebody else in there. Yeah, my last thing on this game is I, I feel like the community at times doesn't value conference champions as much as we do. Because I feel like they've proven time and time again, even though that committee changes every two years, that it seems like they don't value conference champions it, it, it almost seems like that at times well and it's strange this year too because this is the first year and we've mentioned this too that we've ever talked about Notre Dame being in a conference I know that that doesn't necessarily play to, to you know this whole narrative but Notre Dame's finally in a conference and, and I think I think if Clemson beats them and it's a good game I think you have to keep them both in I, I just I know that argument doesn't necessarily hold up then both ways, but it's it's one of those weird scenarios of the college football world that, you know, you're you might see this matchup a third time. That doesn't mean I want to see it, but I think if Clemson beats Notre Dame, you might have to prepare yourself for a potential third matchup. But I'll just go ahead and say it and we'll preview this again down the line. I think this is Alabama's championship to lose. Well, I'm glad you talked about Bama because that's the last uh, conference championship game on the slate. Bama, Florida, this game obviously would have had a lot of more meeting, right? If, if uh, Florida wouldn't have lost last week, but you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And look, Bama's just so overpowering. And they're so, so good. I mean, Devontae Smith, Jones at quarterback, who I think because of the way things happened for Florida last week, he's probably going to win the Heisman, him or Devontae Smith. 
and they they have essentially put themselves i think the as long as they don't look ahead they're, they're going to end up in the national title game and then depending on who they play in the national title obviously anything can, can happen but i mean they're just so overpowering and so good and that's typical from bama anyway well and i think this is this is an odd way to look at it but you touched on it that this game would have a lot more meaning given the last week result if i had told you a 40 yard throw would make this game a lot less meaningful you would probably say well that's a great hail mary but if I told you it was a 40-yard toss of a shoe, you would probably be less inclined to believe that. But that's kind of where we're at in, in, this, <laughs> in this scenario is, is Florida has thrown a shoe to basically weed themselves out of the playoffs. Florida wins this game by some, some miracle. Alabama's still going to make it. They dropped to three. They dropped to four. But Alabama's in this. They, there's, there's, I don't see a plausible scenario in which Alabama will be kept out of this. You know, it's it's kind of weird because you almost talk about it in NFL terms. You know, you think about teams that, you know, they clinch the first round by, they have home field, all that, so they rest their starters in week 17. I feel like Alabama could rest their starters in this game and they would be fine. I don't feel as if there's any scenario that could kick them out of the playoffs in, in this championship game. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Another conference championship matchup. Um, slate uh to end the season before we get get into bowl season um but ryan tell everyone the fantastic interview we have today yeah we have colleen wolf who is an analyst reporter for nfl network um definitely one of the most exciting interviews we've done she was very very excited and uh, I, I think we probably could have even talked all day about the nfl we could have just went team by team and and done this interview, which was fun. But uh, I hope that everybody enjoys it as much as we and and Colleen did. And now our interview with Colleen Wolf. All right, we now welcome on the host of NFL Game Day Kickoff. Good morning, football. Um, the Around the NFL podcast, a regular on-air personality on NFL Network, the wonderful Colleen Wolf. Colleen, thank you for joining the Two Ryan Sports Show today. What is up? Thanks for having <laughs> me on, guys. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. We're excited to welcome you on, and, and we we never need an excuse to talk football, so it's always great to have a football, football-minded football guest with us. So great. let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into okay. it. So this year being unlike any other, I know you've probably heard that a million times too, just like everybody else has. I think one of the one of the things that has been glaring this year is the number of coaches that have been exceeding expectations in the NFL. There's a lot of conversation around which coaches could win coach of the year, and there's a lot of debate about it. So in your personal opinion, who kind of stands out as the potential winner for coach of the year? That's such a hard question because this is it's such a weird year. I mean, obviously, with like all of, you know, the pandemic and stuff like that, uh, the fact that there was no real like off season, no preseason, no real chance for a lot of these teams to kind of get to know each other, get to figure out like what their strengths and weaknesses are. And so like, I think about a team like the Browns and Kevin Stefanski first year head coach, like week one for them was just like, I don't know, trial by fire. Let's just see how this works. It didn't work out great, by the way. Uh, they got like completely blown out by the Ravens. So I think that, you know, at this point now in the year, teams are kind of like finally getting into a group, but it is like so crazy how many teams actually caught on way quicker than 
at least I thought that they were going to. I thought that it was going to be a lot, just like a slower process in general, more of a learning curve. And when I think of coach of the year, I obviously Mike Tomlin comes to mind first. Uh, I feel like he should always be in the coach of the year conversation just because his track record is just so ridiculous. He has had such success so consistently over his tenure in Pittsburgh. And then this year going the way that they have, I mean, 11 and one, it's been incredible. And sure the last two weeks for them haven't been great recency bias, whatever. I still think Tomlin has done just an incredible job with this team, but you also have these upstart teams that are doing things like a year before they should have done it. Like the dolphins and Brian Flores, what a surprise. I did not think that this team would be competing the way that they are this year. I figured, you know, it would be a little bit of a, of a slow build and next year they would have it all together. Now their schedule has been kind of cake. Uh, they've been doing it against like, you know, teams like Cincinnati and the Broncos and the Jets. Um, and I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I know that those are definitely on the top of my head. Uh, so I think that it's between, I would say it's between somebody like Mike Tomlin and probably, probably Brian Flores for coach of the year. I mean, we have to see what happens still. A lot can change. It's, a lot of these awards are sort of like a popularity contest and, and media driven and narrative driven. But I think that those two, two coaches have done an excellent job. As a Steeler fan, that makes me very excited. Yeah. Yeah. But we're feeding right into the narrative that we like to hear <laughs> that we could win another award. So yes, I would agree. But Kevin Stefanski also a great choice too. I, I, yeah, would, I right. could see him in that conversation. So especially I mean, if they win, if they beat the Ravens uh, this week, <laughs> Then when was the last time that the Browns and the Ravens had a meaningful game in week 14? I mean, when has has that even ever happened? It's been like decades, I feel. Let's get some old schedules out and see if we can find something. (laughs) So as an Eagles fan, I feel like when I watch games now, it's it's more anxiety and just disappointment than anything. And, uh, we basically have a segment on the show uh, every episode called Ryan's daily Eagles rant. And (laughs) like, I mean, my question is like, I don't think anyone's going to take Wentz's contract, right? Like it doesn't seem like on the outside looking in that anyone wants to take that contract Philly. It's a big cap hit for them. Everyone keeps talking about Indianapolis, Indianapolis, but to me, a team that if they do want to take his contract, cause they've already paid a quarterback a lot of money and they can trade him away really as a trading piece is San Francisco. What are your thoughts on Wentz? Mm, yeah. I mean, this contract is so cost prohibitive. They, have put themselves in such a bad position and nobody knew that Wentz was going to completely fall off a cliff like this. Yeah. He was struggling and had some issues before, but so much of that could be pinned on the fact that last year, all of the receivers were hurt and, you know, the offensive line was going through so much and the same can be said about this year, but Wentz has just like completely, I feel like lost it. He's just so broken right now. When you watch him, it's just, a, it's almost like it's a totally different player from that 2017 season when he was in the MVP conversation. He was so confident. He was flying around, making all sorts of plays. And that team was just unstoppable. I mean, they won it all. Uh, and 
I, I remember when Wentz went down that year thinking like, okay, cool. Well, that's it uh, for the Eagles. There's no way that Nick Foles is going to come in and like do it uh, somehow, some way that happened. But when I've watched Wentz this year, it's just so insane to me that he is missing the throws that he misses. And I, I heard uh, this morning that the Eagles have more three and outs this year than the Jets. I mean, that is how, isn't that awful? What? Like, come on. And you watch this team and it is, it's like a chore watching Carson Wentz in there and the sacks that he takes, like he just doesn't get rid of the ball. He holds on to it so long. And then when he does get rid of the ball, he's like throwing at guys' feet or over their head. I mean, it is, it's just such a mess. And I'm not sure any team is really going to take that on because first of all, why would you take a risk on a guy that looks like this with a salary like that? And you don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to be. I'm, I'm not sure he's ready yet, but he, in the limited sample that we've had, he looks a whole lot better than Carson Wentz, but the bar is pretty low. So I think that, I think that the Colts uh, is interesting, obviously, because of Frank Reich. And I do like the Niners situation because who knows what, what Jimmy G can really give you. I, I mean, last year up and through their Super Bowl run, he didn't have to do a ton. And maybe that team just works that way. And maybe they do really like him. And John Lynch is, is cool with Jimmy G going forward. But I just think that the Eagles, they're in such a bad position because they now have a backup quarterback, at least for this week, whose salary is $150 million. And it just blows my mind to think that during practice this week, Carson Wentz was playing the role of Taysom Hill on the scout team. Like you have a $150 million quarterback on the scout team playing a guy that is also filling in. I mean, this year is just like so, so bizarre to me. Did he also run down on kickoffs to emulate Taysom Hill too? <laughs> because that's, that's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> something that they may not make him do, but we, we heard your little sigh there as an Eagles fan too. It's, it's certainly uh, been a, a rough year on the uh, on the east side of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it, well, it's like I, I feel it's not. I can't not watch them, but watching them is so awful. It's it's annoying. It's draining. It's frustrating. It's not entertaining at all. It's just like a chore. It's I basically have like I gotta take out the trash. I'm gonna do my laundry, and then I'm gonna watch the Eagles. <laughs> and it can only go up from here. That's what they say, at least. So oh, fingers um, crossed. Look, hopefully, hopefully um, looking into the, looking into the future here, we're getting close to playoff time. And, and I think this year might even be, and I've said this already is, is a little bit stranger than any other. And the fact that the AFC feels very compact, there's a lot of great teams up at the top. The NFC is a little bit more jumbled, but I feel like every year we have teams that really set themselves apart. So can you give me three teams in, in each conference that you really think can make a run down the stretch and could win a Super Bowl? Oh, could win a Super Bowl. Um, Cause I'm thinking to myself like, okay, teams that can just get in at this point. Um, for me, I think, are we talking just AFC or NFC? You can give me three from both or, okay. or whatever. Cause I, I feel like there's a limited number, even though there's so many good teams. I know. So I, I feel like the chiefs are obviously, you know, that's for me, that's the cream of the crop. Um, and I don't think I'm really alone there, <laughs> but I think that the team, the team that matches up the best with 
with the um, Chiefs would obviously be the Steelers and that defense. Um, but it's not like I'm going to say an 11 and one team is going to make a run and win the Super Bowl because that's absurd. Uh, I think, you know, it's so funny. I think the Browns are playing really well. Now, I don't think that they can win a Super Bowl and I'm not totally sure how far they can go. But I think this week will give us a really, really good indication of where they are and how much they've actually grown. Or if, you know, some of the, the things we've seen out of this team are just sort of situations with matchups and, you know, good luck, because obviously they've been able to run the ball so well. And you need, in order to, to win the Super Bowl, you need to be able to have a team that can run the ball. You need to be able to be balanced. You need to be able to keep the defense off balance. But I think that I think that the Browns have that. And obviously Baker Mayfield has been his numbers having career games because of that running game. Um, so I think that I think the Browns could be in the conversation to at least make a run. I don't think that they can win it. Um, the Colts are interesting because their defense is good. But Philip Rivers really like is meh, even though he's getting a little better with T.Y. Hilton, seeing some. Some at least some progress at this point. I mean, it's about time. It's week 14. Uh, so that's cool. Thanks for coming to the party, guys. Um, and then I, I, I'm just not sure how I feel. Like over in the NFC, I feel like I can just sit here and talk about every team. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a very meandering answer. Um, over in the NFC, just like top of head here, I feel like the – I don't really know what to make of the Bucks. Like every week I watch them, I feel different about them. And they're so up and down. They're so inconsistent. And the same things that were a problem in September continue to be. And we keep saying, you know, oh, well, you know, it's just the COVID. They had no time. Tom Brady had no time to figure this out. But, but like Bruce Arians, this is, this is his offense. This is how he always operates, like taking like deep shots down the field and Tom Brady can't do it. So I'm not really sure. Like Tom Brady knew that going into this and it's just so weird to see him in a different system without Bill Belichick, without someone who kind of is telling him, okay, yeah, you can do this. No, you can't do that. And we're seeing Brady just sort of make these decisions and, it's just not working. And, and that's sort of inexcusable when you have the playmakers that you do on that offense. Like they need to run the ball more. They need to use Ronald Jones more to get these guys open. And, and they're just not that, that defense is really good. Secondary is a little suspect. Uh, sometimes we've seen, we've seen a lot of those guys get burned, but their run defense is obviously awesome. So I'm not sure what to make of them. Um, I'm trying to think like in terms of, the wild card um and i don't know like who like who do you guys who do you guys like who do you guys think could make we, a run we love vegas like we we joke that we do that we're a raiders podcast because we love vegas waller okay, so jacobs henry ruggs car all of them so you're not worried about like the getting blown out by the falcons the whole debacle against the jets like well, they got away with the Jets, right? And the Falcons, <laughs> like, like the Falcons, you know, that's one of those games that you find yourself like on NFL Sunday at one o'clock during witching hour with Hanson. Like, okay, they're not going to go to that game anymore because it's just I can't believe the result type game. Right. I mean, 
like where their strength lies going down the stretch, it's not in their offense with Jacobs, Waller, and Ruggs. Where their strength is is on that defensive line and their secondary, really. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the last couple games, they've really held opponents to under 200 yards, like passing a game, and that's amazing. I mean, you know, it was the Jets, you know, last game, but like that's a team that can get hot down the stretch. And they showed that they can they can beat the almost beat. I mean, they almost beat the Chiefs in a shootout, so they can keep up. And I like that they have that. I just like their whole attitude and swagger. I was really into the victory lap around Arrowhead. That was super fun. Like so that that to me, any anytime a team has just like a fun personality, I'm all in. Like I really like the Bills. I feel like they are a super fun team to root for. But a lot of times, like, thank God Tom Brady and the Patriots are done because like that how stale was that for so long they weren't fun they were all business and it was just like oh my god isn't this game supposed to be like entertaining and we're supposed to like that that's isn't that the point of all of this and it was just so earnest that I'm so happy to have just like some fresh blood I've said multiple times on this show talking about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers going into whatever game it is saying that well Tom Brady will have him ready to go he knows what it takes to win this is a team that should win they have all the components and yet here we are, and we're talking about a Buccaneers team that could, I'll say it, miss the playoffs yeah. if they continue to fall down this road. So it's it's been a very odd season, especially in the NFC, looking at teams that can still make it, and then teams that the Buccaneers, who we basically crowned Super Bowl champions in, in May, and now they're on the brink. Right. Yeah, because you think about the NFC West, too, with the Seahawks, and the Rams are playing better. Wasn't sure about the Rams for a little bit there, but now... Now I feel like I'm on board and I don't know if it's because we just had them on Thursday and I was at SoFi, but watching them just completely shellack the Patriots was so beautiful that I'm like, I'm like, you know what, Jericho, you're fine. Like, no big deal. You can get it done. Like, look at these receivers you have. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. You're good. This defense is amazing. Like, so I'm, I'm on board with the Rams for sure, too. You put your heart into the Rams on that one. We, we can feel that on our end. <laughs> I, I have drank all of the kool-aid and like let's go rams <laughs> so the last uh, question on my end um and you know we've already said that we think raiders can be one of those teams that gets hot down the stretch but that's my question to you who do you think is a team because you know who's really starting to surprise me is minnesota right they've won four or five Ooh. and i love oddly enough i can't believe i'm saying this but i love washington because the way the division is shaping out for them, so the fact that Alex Smith wasn't even going to end up being a, star, a quarterback for them this year, he's really got them over the hump to where they need to be to possibly win the division or even make it in on the back end for a wild card. I think that, you know, Washington is it's such a good call because I think teams that have really nothing, no expectations, no like pressure coming into the season – honestly like they they don't have anything to play for and those teams are the scariest because they come in and they're just like we're not supposed to be here and look at what we're doing to your little team and I feel like like Washington that win over the Steelers that was one that I think a lot of people kind of circled as okay that could be an issue because you know the Steelers that with their their whole history of playing down to competition but that's not really the wash oh hold on my my earbud is dying wait a second (laughs) I think it's gonna be okay for a second um 
I think Washington is like a sneaky closet good team uh, because of that defense because and what you just outlined with Alex Smith. So I think that people look at every team in the NFC East and they're like, they're all trash. But honestly, those are like the scariest teams because they are the ones that aren't supposed to be there and will absolutely like rain all over your parade and basically bounce you from the playoffs. And with that defensive line, we knew in Washington, we knew that that was going to be its strength, but oh my God, they are so good, so dominant. And Ron Rivera, I mean, how could you not root for him? Everything that he's been through, this Washington team has been so dysfunctional for so long on the field, off the field. And I'm with you. I think that they that they can make a lot of noise. I'm also looking at the the Giants a little bit now. Joe Judge is doing things with this team that I didn't even think were possible. And they've won, what, like four straight now? The fact that they beat the Seahawks in Seattle, that was a bit of a shock to me. That, that came as a massive t- surprise. And I think the Vikings are interesting because – they weren't, they were supposed to be good. They were supposed to be like a, a team that was in the playoff conversation. And then they had the really slow start. They hit that rough patch. And now that Dalvin Cook has been able to run the ball really well, it's completely unlocked everything in that offense. Like it makes Kirk Cousins be able to operate so much better, so much cleaner. And Justin Jefferson is just an absolute stud. I can't believe he was the fifth. I can't believe the Eagles did not take him in the draft, but I won't even go there. He's been really, really good. Um, so I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm with you. Um, I have so many teams swimming around in my head right now. Basically, I need you to be like, talk about that team, and then I can go. <laughs> that's that's kind of the way it feels. This just in the NFL this year as a whole, because the the top teams, there's so many of them that are standing out, and the bottom, there we just don't talk about them. But everybody right. in that middle you feel like they have a chance to make it or make a run at least. Mm-hmm, for sure. I, the wild cards are really, really interesting. Like the AFC is absolutely loaded and the, the NFC is super interesting too. Like you just have a lot of, a lot of different teams in it. I mean, obviously the saints and, and the chiefs are, you know, in it to win it, but you have a lot of other like fun, frisky teams that are making noise, which I love. Well, we'll look forward to January. I've, I have one last question for you, though, Colleen, and okay. this is more of a this is more of an NFL Network question. Okay. So you've obviously had the pleasure of working with a lot of great personalities and a lot of former athletes, but I'm going to single out two of them here. Who's the better trash talker between Michael Irvin and Steve Smith? Two very legendary receivers in this game. I mean, easy. It's it's Steve. It's Steve. Oh. It's Steve all the way. I'm never going to say that Steve is not the best trash talker that has ever lived, that has ever walked this land. Uh, Steve, Steve trash talks like I've seen him talk to so many different people, so many different like fun, funny, funny ways. Like he has such a way about him because like when he when he talks trash, a lot of times he does it also in a charming way, which is sort of odd but it's always super funny. And then when you have Irv and Steve together, it's just, it's so perfect. The television just like, it, it makes itself. And the two of them, the fact that they are just such confident wide receivers, it is just like, it's magical every time they're together. I never know what I'm gonna get. Well, I know last week T, he brought a fork into the broadcast to say sticking mm-hmm. a fork in the Patriots. I mean, that's, if you're gonna get I've- creative, bring silverware. 
I don't really know where he got that fork. The fork was huge. Like, who has a, a fork that size in their home? What are you using that for? It, I, it was like a trident. I don't, I don't know where he got that. Well, if we ever get the opportunity to talk to him, I have my first question lined up for him. I, I need to know based on based on your uh, assessment. But um, <laughs> Colleen, we do really appreciate you coming on and talking with us this afternoon. Uh, again, as as you know, we said we have a lot to look forward to down the stretch. But as you go about your work and your personal life, hope that you and all of your loved ones stay safe, uh, stay well, and we'll hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you, guys. Ryan, good luck to your Steelers. And Ryan, I'm with you all the way on this long, dreadful journey with the Eagles. <laughs> Ryan, Colleen was so fun, uh, and, and what a great interview. Um, I love she uh, when she said uh, this is probably a long meandering answer and she asked our opinion. I, I Again, I would sit and talk to her one-on-one -on -one about every single NFL team. If she wants to come back and do that, I'm totally in. Let's set it up. Let's just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about every single team. Yeah, I really hope we talk to her down the road because she was truly one of the funnest people uh, we've interviewed uh, doing this. Um, a, and, and we're going to keep giving them giving them good interviews. Uh, that, that's for sure. But absolutely. Ryan, you, uh, you said you have some sports notes uh, for me that you wanted to share. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we always do our NFL preview, but we wouldn't be a sports show if we didn't cover a couple other big news stories from the last um, day, day and a half, two days, sort of. Uh, first, I want to start in the world of hockey. So the big news coming out of hockey yesterday, uh, the Capitals goaltender Hen Henrik Lundqvist, the King, former New York Ranger, is now going to be sitting out the 2020-2021 season due to a heart condition. Uh, this Obviously, it, number one, this is really devastating to Henrik Lundqvist. I think the world's better when the King's on the ice. Uh, always loved playing against him whenever he was in, in New York. I'm, I'm personally a Penguins fan, so he was a thorn in our sides for a little while, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, but looking at it from a Capitals perspective, this is really going to hurt them in the sense of their goaltending situation, uh, losing Braden Holtby in free agency. So now most likely going to be turning to Ilya Samsonov and then Phoenix Copley as the backup goaltender. Um, the drop from Braden Holtby and then having King there is, is kind of a, a safety net, maybe even a regular starter is, is certainly going to be a little bit of a drop off in Washington. Yeah. Um, you always think about Henrik, right, as um, a mainstay for the Rangers and helped them get to that Stanley Cup back in 2015. So, um, you know, speedy recovery and, and, you know, hopefully he can get one more season. Yeah, we, we certainly don't want to see anybody have to sit out for those medical reasons, especially if it's something as serious as a heart condition. So uh, I think you and I both wish him the best and hopefully can get back out on the ice soon. Um, the other big sports news, and this is one that I feel like we could have an, an entire conversation about, but we'll, we'll kind of keep it brief here, uh, is that the MLB Major League Baseball has now agreed uh, to elevate the Negro Leagues of former years to Major League status. So that means that all records and, and championships will be identified as Major League records. Uh, certainly there's players that played exclusively in the Negro Leagues in the Hall of Fame, but uh, the MLB said that this is a long overdue, basically oversight uh, that, that's been needing to be done for years. And, and I would totally agree. Uh, just based on the little bit that I know about the Negro Leagues and some of those players, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that those guys would have been the 
best in the business in baseball in the 30s and the 40s, uh, even before that. But I think this is a very long overdue oversight. I'm glad that MLB finally got this done and we can give those men the recognition, men and women, the recognition that they deserve in this sport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's 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 part of uh, the game and it's part of its history. And, and um, you know, Jackie Robinson Day, there's a reason that it is a day that's celebrated in the league every year. It's because he changed history. He, he changed something for the better. And, and um, yeah, so more, more than well-deserved. Well yeah. And, and so many other players in that era too, that, that changed the game in their own way. So hats off to the MLB for getting that done. Um, again, the Negro league, certainly, certainly not an oversight any longer. Well-deserved. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, we talk about that this was going to be a huge football preview show, but we didn't realize it was going to be this big because we got more NFL action. And look, it's not on on paper. It's not um, the, the best record wise versus record wise teams, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad NFL Sunday. I mean, you look at a couple of weeks ago, it was like that. And it was one of the most incredible Sundays the, the season has had. And I, I feel like that could end up happening, especially with some divisional matchups that we're getting this weekend. Um, but on Saturday, in the middle of all this, because the NFL still is king, they did not change their uh, typical one-off Saturday that they do in December. And even during the crazy, crazy college football slate, even during the quarterfinal playoff game between Clemson and Notre Dame, 30 minutes later at 4.30, you got Buffalo-Denver kicking off. You got Josh Allen going to Denver. Uh, Josh Allen, let, let's be honest, he's probably one of the most underrated still in the league because I feel like people look at Buffalo, even though they beat Pittsburgh this past Sunday night, you know, and unfortunately I'm sorry uh, that you, you know, you got to uh, see them lose there. But, I mean, let's be honest, Josh Allen's playing out of this world this season. I mean, he is truly taking – a, a massive leap uh, from his last season to this season where something just, I mean, the, the young man is playing well and they're playing against a Denver team. That's really bad. I mean, to tell you the truth, this is going to be still a two TV type of Saturday, right? You're going to have the NFL game on one TV and you're going to have the playoff quarterfinal on the other, or I don't know, Ryan, maybe we're going to have to split duties again. I would be fine with that. I, I could take, I could take one or the other, but, uh, I'm going to be honest, I would prefer to watch Notre Dame and Clemson. So, but I, but I don't want to stick you with the NFL game, but we'll, okay. we'll figure out a way to do split, split games for that. But Josh Allen, I feel like, and, and we've referenced it before, I feel like Josh Allen might even be a little trapped. And what I mean by that is we talk about Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. We even talk about Tom Brady. Certainly, we're not going to deny his greatness. They're kind of the – and Russell Wilson, they're like the guys, right? They are the guys that are kind of the faces of the NFL. They're, they're really the transcendent game changers in, in that regard. Nobody really puts Josh Allen in that category, but the way that he's starting to play, we're going to have to put him in that conversation soon because he's taken a Buffalo team that had been relatively – non-existent for the better part of 20 years and he's not only made them a division contender he's made them an AFC contender he's really put them in a position on his back uh, certainly along with other players but really on his play alone too to put them in a position to win games and, and potentially win Super Bowls in the future certainly you have to get through Kansas City but 
I digress. But Josh Allen, I, I feel like, is still a little bit trapped and, and still underrated, if that's possible. As well as he's played, he still feels like he doesn't get the love he deserves. Um, I would love to know how far Josh Allen could throw a football in Denver. Maybe we'll figure that out uh, because, the you know, the ball travels more up in the mile high. So maybe we could see an 80-yard pass from, from 17. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll get like a Joe Flacco-esque type of like pass, like to Jacoby Jones. You know, of course, we won't be able to get a double OT, but, you know, uh, maybe we, that's the type of pe- uh, pass we get. The other Saturday night matchup, and it's it, it's not bad. It, it, it really isn't. Carolina versus Green Bay. I actually really like that Carolina Panthers team. I think there's a lot to build going into year two for Matt Roll. He's really found something. Unfortunately, McCaffrey's been out most of the season. That's no fault, you know, to that team. Teddy Bridgewater's actually played really well. I think they found a franchise QB in Teddy, and I feel like he's finally gotten the credit he deserves and found a spot, uh, you know, because he. I actually think he would have been the franchise QB in Minnesota if it wasn't for the injury, uh, and somehow he didn't get re-signed in New Orleans, and Carolina ended up paying him the money, and it was well-deserved. But uh, is is Aaron Rodgers, is this the game where Aaron Rodgers takes everyone and basically says, hey, guys, look at us. We're about to make a run at the Lombardi. In Aaron Rodgers' words, exactly. Everyone relax. (laughs) Everyone relax. Because Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best in the game for a reason. Just whenever you feel like people are writing him off and just whenever you feel like it might be going downhill, he does something like this and he puts on an absolute show and not to be forgotten in that too. Speaking of underrated football players, Devontae Adams is kind of secretly, maybe even arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Certainly there's a lot of players in that conversation, but the connection between him and De- uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is second to none. There is there is so much to love about that. And and honestly, I think the Packers could be separating themselves in, in the in the NFC now. It's been such a jumbled, jumbled mess this entire season. But Aaron Rodgers is one of those veteran guys that's been there. He knows how to do it. If they can put it together in the playoffs, I, I think we might be talking about a Packers team in the Super Bowl. Wow, Packers team in the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe he, my, I my mean, crystal ball isn't as clear as yours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he's he's won one. Uh, I, I think that's the only one that he's been to, right? When he beat Pittsburgh, I, I don't think mm-hmm. he's been to a second. Um, he's been on the verge of being to a second before, but I, I don't know that that whole NFC top to bottom we've talked about plenty of times now. It, it's just jumbled is really the best word, you know. It, it, it's it's hard to figure out who the best team in that conference is. Is it New Orleans? Because, and we'll talk about them in that game on Sunday, which is fantastic, by the way, uh, even without Drew Brees. But I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers could actually end up winning the MVP uh, again this season, uh, even, even the way with Patrick's is playing, because everyone really gives Aaron Rodgers – a lot of credit for him essentially every season, it seems like carrying green Bay to depths, making them way better. If that makes sense, because I feel like he's just kind of like a Peyton Manning type esque quarterback where he clearly elevates the team. I mean, you look at a couple of years ago when he was out with that shattered ankle when he came back in that week 17 matchup for the NFC North division at 425 against Chicago, he threw a 50 yard pass on one ankle to get them into the playoffs. 
and it was a Hail Mary. I mean, the guy is just un- unreal. Um, I'm excited to see him play on Saturday. <laughs> Two NFL games in the midst of a, of a college championship Saturday, 2020. Who would have thought? But You might just want to order extra wings this weekend between Saturday and Sunday because you're going to be doing a lot of watching football. Yeah, gra- grab some uh, sodas as well. It's going to be a good one. But, I mean, here, here's a game that is tricky. And it's because it's New England, Miami. You got Brian Flores and Bill. And Brian, of course, you know, coached under Bill. Miami's they could have won last week if you you know when when you really think about it, they were up ten nothing in that game, and you know Kansas City scored twenty eight. But Cam, here's here's a, a prediction for you in the Ryan's twenty twenty one Crystal Ball uh, that we like to make fun of. I will go out on a limb right now and say this is Cam Newton's last NFL season. That's definitely bold. Because his numbers are abysmal. Five touchdowns, ten picks on the season. Maybe it's something with the system. I don't know. I feel like this is going to be his last NFL season, and if it's not next year, he's going to be a backup. He's not going to be a starter. There's something – I mean, maybe it could be injuries. I don't know. Maybe you tell me what you think. I just – that New England-Miami game on Sunday, it's tricky because – Miami is the better team, but Bill Belichick always knows how to outcoach people who've worked under him, and he's always good against division rivals anyway. I, I find this being one of the games that we're going to look at at 4 o'clock on Sunday and being like, ooh, I did not see that happening. So the Dolphins sit at 7 in the playoff picture right now, and the Patriots at 10. The Patriots would have to have a lot of things happen for them to get in the playoffs. And, and one of those things, obviously, being beating Miami on Sunday. How many times in your football life, now we're not old men, but how many times in your football life has Bill Belichick not really had a whole lot to play for because he's playing from behind? Not often. I, I can think of the one season that Tom Brady was out. And, and even then they were in playoff contention and, and basically missed it by a game back when I mean, Matt Castle was the starting quarterback. Right. And if you watch back old NFL films and stuff, when he was a coach in Cleveland and a coach, a coordinator and for the giants, you could make an argument during that. But I mean, I'm telling you, man, I, I think he could end up winning this game on Sunday. I, I see absolutely no reason why the Patriots can't because Bill Belichick is is playing with house money at this point. The way that he coaches and has his teams ready to play in games is unreal. Now, I understand that their loss to the Rams last week was not great, but Bill Belichick also understands that this could mean knocking a division rival out of the playoffs. We've said it before, but he coaches against the strengths of the other team. That's his biggest strength is coaching against those strengths. An opportunity like this that you may never see this again with a Patriots team because as as weird of a season as this has been, seeing the Patriots at 10 in the playoff picture could arguably the weird could be the weirdest thing. I I might actually take the Patriots in this one. No, no fault to the Dolphins, but but I think that Bill Belichick is is gonna have his team ready to play. And I think this could be a weird, tricky matchup for Miami. What do you think about my prediction for the crystal ball that we're looking into about this being Cam's last season? So I think I think the I think the biggest thing with quarterbacks now in the NFL is 
the NFL is just trying to make quarterbacks younger and younger. And that's not Cam's fault. The NFL has basically tried to make quarterbacks out to be uh, whomever you take in the first round, kind of hoping to build your next five years around them into winning a Super Bowl. We've seen it a lot. Patrick Mahomes obviously signed the massive extension, and, and he's he's not an exception to the rule, but he's kind of already made his name and such. Think of a guy like Jared Goff, too, in his first, in his first five seasons – um, not quite five seasons, but in that rookie contract, he's been able to take a team to the Super Bowl because the Rams were kind of able to go all in at, at that point, that they're able to sign these guys to one-year deals. Now they didn't win, but the, the quarterback position in the NFL is getting younger and younger, and unfortunately that does not fare well for Cam. I think you're right in that he will probably not be a starter next year. I think that a team will likely take an opportunity with him as a backup. Uh, I may not be too surprised if he ends up maybe as like a backup in Washington with Ron Rivera, someone that he's familiar with and in a system that he could definitely run. Um, but I think Washington is still in the market to take a quarterback at some point. But the, the odd thing about that is, is if Washington makes the playoffs, that affects their draft position. And then they're not talking about potentially taking a Justin Fields. So could Cam realistically start on a Washington team? I, I don't see why not. But I think that teams are looking to draft more of their quarterbacks now than they're looking to build through free agency. Um, so I don't think that fares well for Cam going forward. I think he'll be on a roster, but I don't think he'll be a starter in 2021. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Washington because um, that's the next game. Seattle, Washington. I mean, you want to talk about a guy we talked about, you know, playing out of his mind in Josh Allen. You want to talk about two guys who have been playing out of their mind, Russ and DK. Uh, Russ, 3,685 yards on the season, 36 touchdowns. I mean, come on, man. 12 picks. I mean, that guy, I, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who without them, they would not be where they are. It's Russ. And, and I mean, I know that sounds like a very obvious, stupid thing to say, but I mean, it's true. I mean, R Russ, even when they didn't have the talent that's around him the last two seasons, he was keeping that team afloat as people on the defensive side of the ball were leaving left and right. And DK, 1180, 1,180 yards on the season, 10 touchdowns. I mean, that guy's just, I mean, I think he's from Wakanda. I mean, he's just, he's built differently. I mean, he is, uh, he is unreal. And I mean, that game on Sunday, though, I feel like it's a, I guess you could use the term trap game in the NFL, but I mean, I guess you could say it is because they're, they're going across country, right? They're, they're going to be playing Washington 10 o'clock their time, one o'clock Eastern. And we always joke about the West coast going to the East coast type game, but Washington, let's be honest, man, they have the best defensive line in football. It, there's not, there's not a number one, a or a one B it's Washington, huge gap than everyone else whoever you want to go. I mean, that game on Sunday, I feel like Washington's defensive line, especially Chase Young, you have Ryan Kerrigan, you have Montez Sweat. They could really press, pressure Russ in doing what Russ doesn't like to do, and that's moving away from the ball. Now, he still makes those spin moves and throws to DK all season, but I love this game on Sunday for so many reasons because it is interesting in the fact that Washington is uh, riding hot right now. 
Well, the, the big question on my end with that is, is as we record this, Alex Smith is considered doubtful for the game. Now, why that matters is because most likely they're going to have to turn to a backup quarterback in that regard. But if you remember last week, the football team won their game and they did not score an offensive touchdown. Now that's banking that you scored two defensive touchdowns again against Russell Wilson, which is certainly not an easy task to do. Uh, maybe a little bit easier against Nick Mullins, but this is a very strange game because we, we often hear about how the Seahawks only play weird games. I think this game is going to be weird. And I think it's going to be weird because of, of those factors, because if Alex Smith doesn't play, it's certainly going to change Washington's game plan. It's certainly not going to be the same kind of game manager type. Uh, it's going to be a lot more focused on the run so they could be able to stack the box. But the secondary in Seattle is not always is not always up to par. So maybe you could throw, but are you going to be able to get those looks? There's a lot of questions to be answered in this game. And I, I think that it's going to be one of those weird ones. I think maybe Seattle comes out in like a one or two point win. But I would not be surprised at all if Washington wins this game weird too and in a very, you know, one or two point fashion too, uh, because their defensive line recovers a fumble in the last two minutes of the game and they kick a field goal. I mean, that's that's just the matchup we're looking at is it's going to be very strange, but it's going to be must watch. It's absolutely going to be must watch. I can't wait. And wrapping up the one o'clock slate. Some people have talked about this as a playoff elimination, but let's be honest. I mean, Chicago has really fallen off a cliff ever since their five and one started. And I'm sorry to laugh, but I mean, it's just, it's the, it's true. I mean, they've lost five of six and Kirk cousins. He's not having a bad year by Kirk cousins standards where he's playing just average enough to get them in the playoff race, but he's not playing good enough to get them huge wins, 27 touchdowns, 12 picks, but really the story for Minnesota is still Dalvin Cook, right? He's 13, uh, 52 rush yards on the season, 14 touchdowns. Ah, I love this game because if Minnesota loses, it's absolutely an elimination game for them because then it's really hard to recover and get back into that seven spot. If Chicago wins, I guess you could still look at them making the playoffs, but it, the, the shot is not as good some other teams in the NFC. I, I think because the quarterback is so uncertain with Chicago, you have Mitch, right? Who they constantly are doubting him. And I actually think uh, here's a you know prediction that I want to make for you. This is Matt Nagy's last season. I don't think he's going to be around and he's going to find right. himself in a coordinator position. And I don't think that's too much of a hot take, but I mean, the, the guy has really not done what he needs to do to take them from the Khalil Mack trade that launched them as one of the best teams a couple of years ago in that NFC to where they are now. And it, it's also partly because they drafted Mitch, but I, I, I love Minnesota coming out of this spot because Minnesota coming off a tough loss in Tampa Bay I think Minnesota is going to find a way to do it. And Kirk's just going to be average enough and, uh, you know, basically do enough work at the office to where he's not impressive, but not enough to where, you know, the boss notices him. If that may, if that metaphor makes sense. Yeah. I, I understand what you're getting at. I, I think if you look at these two teams on paper, obviously it's an eight and nine matchup in the, in the seating for the playoffs in the NFC. 
I think Minnesota's the better of the two teams. And the run that they've been on has been much better. Obviously, they fell off out of the playoff picture with that loss last week. But that, that shuffling happens around this time of year, and that's certainly just the way it goes. Uh, regarding Matt Nagy being fired, I think that's more of a certainty. I think your crystal ball is pretty clear there. The, the weirdest thing to me about the Chicago Bears, and, and this is kind of a look back through history, they, you would think for one of the two original NFL franchises, you would think that you would be able to name a quarterback other than Sid Luckman or Jim McMahon that's had decent success there? Uh, I guess uh, Kyle Wharton or Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman took him to a Super Bowl, right? I guess you could make that claim. Right. That's kind of like the Trent Dilfer took the uh, Ravens to the Super Bowl, <laughs> the though. Super Bowl, I right? mean, yeah. Lance Briggs and Brian Urlacher would have a word. But, I mean, and absolutely, your point's well taken. But they they need a head coach that's going to develop a darn quarterback in Chicago. I mean, Jim McMahon's certainly successful. We are looking way back in history to talk about Sid Lockman in the 40s. So this 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 is a problem. And and we talk and kind of joke about the Browns quarterback woes of the 2000s and 90s, but I don't think the Bears have been too awful too awful better in, in that regard. I think they've certainly had some guys that have gotten them wins, but nobody that's really been wowing. And, you know, we don't have to make the Mitch Trubisky slash Deshaun Watson slash Patrick Mahomes joke. Everyone knows that. But get a person in there that can develop a quarterback for a change. Give that team what they need. Give them a little bit of offense. I understand that they have probably the greatest running back lineage in NFL history. But my goodness, get that team a quarterback or get them somebody who can develop a quarterback. All that being said, I think the Vikings win this game. They're a better team. I think that they're still in the playoff hunt. I think regardless, um, I think this kind of knocks out whoever is whoever loses this game. Certainly it fares a lot worse for the Bears because I don't think the Bears are good enough to make it, where the Vikings, even if they lose, are still good enough, but they just don't have the amount of time to make up the, the lost ground. Yeah, I the one o'clock games are very interesting. I mean, you know, those are the three that stick out. The one o'clock slate isn't really good, to tell you the truth, but the 405 slot. Talk about you're weird. happy. Uh, Philly and Arizona. Your guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I look, Jalen Hurts. I, I'm glad he's in. I'm smiling, you know, as you can see through this uh, Zoom meeting right now. But people keep talking about us making the playoffs. Look, guys, let's pump the brakes, okay? We're just trying to get Jalen Hurts through a season for one, and we're trying to worry about what we're going to do with Carson Wentz's contract later. Uh, because we got a broken QB on the sideline. And if you hear NFL experts and analysts say, they all are saying the same thing. He looks broken. No one understands what happened where he didn't take that progression like he had. And some people think it's because of Frank Wright. I don't. I think there's just something that happened. Maybe he, he just didn't develop the way that we think. And we're putting too much stock into it. And that happens sometimes with quarterbacks. I mean, I, I think what's going to end up happening, though, on Sunday, if we do beat Arizona, look at me saying we, but if Philly beats Arizona, that is the type of win going into an offseason that you look at and say, okay, here's what we need to do. Here is a good win that we had late in the season. Let's build around these pieces. Let's replace these. Let's try to find someone to take Carson's contract or at least try to get a trade for him somewhere, possibly. 
that way we're not taking a huge cap hit. I, it, it's just Arizona is a team on the fence all the time, right? We don't know with them. We talked about them. If it wasn't for that Hail Mary game, they would have lost five in a row instead of four and a four out of five. And they got back on track last weekend against a weak Giants team. So I don't know what, what's going to happen. I do know that one thing, though, Jalen Hurts has done. He's brought in the running game almost very Oklahoma-esque, very pistol-type shotgun-esque snapping uh, counts out of the backfield with Miles Sanders, and that is something that will help them going forward. It's going to be an interesting matchup of former Oklahoma quarterbacks, right? Kyler Murray and then leads right into his uh, successor after he graduated or, or left for the NFL with Jalen Hurts. But I think you're right. I think your assessment with Jalen Hurts is pretty spot on. We're, we're hyping this guy up after one game. Now, we've done that a lot with players, and, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But we need a bigger sample size of Jalen Hurts. We talk about sample size a lot. I don't know if you can turn back to Carson Wentz. I don't know what would make him better. I'm certainly not an NFL quarterback guru. If I was, I wouldn't be sitting here. And I think you and I both wouldn't be sitting here, but that's, that's just where the Eagles are at right now. They, they have to rely on this spark to get him to the playoff. And the Cardinals are a team that have been falling recently. There, there was a time a few weeks ago that I, I genuinely thought that that team could be good enough to win the NFC West. And, and now I, they're, they're fighting for their playoff life. They're, they're on the inside potentially looking out. And that's going to be a big matchup for them because, hey, Philly's still in this. Uh, I, know, I know your joy is, is exceeding as you smile in this Zoom call that the Philadelphia Eagles could still make the playoff and have a home game probably just to be ousted in the first round. But – it's, it's going to be a strange game. This is going to be another one of those weird games because Arizona absolutely needs this, but the streak that they've been on, I think Philly could certainly give them a game and, and kind of shock them. I think that the NFC playoff picture, as weird as it looks, it could still be even weirder going into the, the latter part of the season, the last three weeks, if that's even possible. But Certainly one to watch, but I think Jalen Hurts is is uh, he's going to show up again. Another big game from from number two. Yeah, maybe people will forget about it because it's at the weird four or five slot. That <laughs> that game's always seems to be forgotten. But here's the thing, too. Another thing that you said there, and saying we that that's just how much invested we are in our teams. I've said it a lot yeah. about the Steelers, like I like I'm employed by the well, Steelers, but wait till next season because next season I won't apologize. Uh, Next season's right around the corner, guys. Let me just give you a quick brief on that. Uh, Look, I I love all the people saying, oh, my gosh, OB Toppin, he looks so good. It's preseason basketball. Can we give it a rest? Like the guy, I've seen him play in two, three games now. He's driving to the paint every single basket. Look to develop a jumper. Just show me a jumper. Like, you took Dayton to heights that were unparalleled and could have made a final four if it wasn't for a pandemic, but show me a jumper outside the paint. I, we'll save it when we get into next season. Cause I, I, I don't want to talk about Nick's preseason basketball. It'll anger me. Well, for, for our listeners, just briefly, I don't have an NBA rooting interest. So I just kind of casually watch as a fan. So Ryan, I'll try not to antagonize you too much throughout the uh, basketball season with Nick's talk. 
Yeah, thanks, because uh, it's going to get worse, especially when we get into February, right when we fall, right when we're on the cliff and we're getting ready to fall off and we're, we're, we're just teetering, and then we really just fall off the cliff. That's when February, March is when it really gets bad, because it's like, <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan, I learned to deal with it, but I, I digress. I, I don't want to talk about Knicks preseason basketball, regular seasons around the corner, though what, four or five days from now. It's insane. It's it's almost NBA season. Yeah. Uh, Last game of the day, Kansas City, New Orleans. It's it's 425. Mahomes, Ryan, is he good? Is he good? Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, the number 15 in Kansas City, because he's thrown for 4,208 passing yards this season, 33 touchdowns, and only five picks. Here's a fun little nugget for you. Travis Kelsey, first in the league in receiving at 1250, 1,250 yards, nine touchdowns. I I actually like New Orleans in this spot, and here's why. Kansas City going on the road, beating Miami, right? Real tough road game. Two teams that need it, especially Miami, as they're in the thick of the wild card race. But on the other side, Taysom Hill he's being used exactly how Sean Payton likes to use him in new Orleans. And they're really developing something I think really good for him on the play action uh, type of game uh, down in, in uh, Louisiana there. I, I actually really do like new Orleans. I think they're going to come out and win this game. I think they're going to shock a lot of people. They're going to take real control of the NFC as far as teams that people look at and say, okay, this is who we think can come out and make it to a Super Bowl, even without Drew Brees, if that was to happen. I just, I feel like there's something on Sunday that tells me New Orleans is going to win this game. Speaking of fun nuggets, did you know that the Chiefs have played five straight one possession games dating back to November 8th? Dating back to the game against the Panthers, they have played every single game as a one-possession game. Now, just a quick little recap. That's the Panthers. That's the great Raiders game from Sunday night, uh, the Chiefs and Bucks game, the Broncos game, and then the Dolphins game this past week. The big thing that's going to have to set them apart in this game is none other than Mr. MVP, Super Bowl MVP, potentially greatest quarterback of all time, Patrick Mahomes. And the reason I say him, obviously he's their playmaker, but they have a chance to potentially run away with this game if they chose to. But that's the problem with Kansas City. They don't always choose to run away with games. The biggest strength that they have in this game is 15 and a potential duel with Taysom Hill. In a one-on-one quarterback matchup, you are never – going to bet your farm on Taysom Hill beating Patrick Mahomes in a, in a quarterback duel. So Patrick Mahomes has to come out and be excellent this game. But you know what? I also kind of feel like you, Ryan. I also feel like if we were to turn this game on, uh, you know, say we got caught up in something, we turn it on at like 525 and the Saints are up 17 nothing. I wouldn't be surprised. Because that's how the Chiefs play football somehow. They, they only seem to play better when they're losing – And that's very strange, but I'm taking the Chiefs in this one just because of the matchup of the quarterbacks. I think Patrick Mahomes wins this game. Now, it may only be by a score, and that might extend the streak, 
But I think just considering the matchups of, of, you know, individuals in this sense, I think Patrick Mahomes is the better matchup. The Saints, if, if they lose this game, it's just going to keep them falling a little bit. But I think that the Chiefs are better in this scenario. Uh, certainly, certainly will be a fun game to watch, but give, give me the Chiefs in a, in a relatively close one. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a very good game to watch um, because I think also New Orleans is going to be motivated because they did lose to Philly last week. Um, and, and it was such a big moment where they lost that game. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, another episode in the books, Ryan, next week is Christmas week, but we're not taking, we're not taking vacation time off. No, uh, we're going to go to our Thanksgiving schedule that we did a couple weeks ago and we're going to drop one episode. Uh, it's going to be on Wednesday. Yeah. And for Wednesday's interview, you guys are, you know, I know we say this every episode, but Wednesday's interview, Ryan, is is an all-timer. It's going to be fantastic. And we are going to have a lot to cover in that in that episode as well, recapping the NFL, kind of looking ahead with playoff picture, the same with CFP. But it it certainly it certainly promises to be a jam-packed, incredible episode. Yeah, and we have great guests after that on the horizon, unfortunately, that we can't announce yet, but we, we have some great stuff in the book. And, you know, Ryan, for all these great things that we have coming up, whether it's guests, segment ideas, um, you know, where can they follow us? Where can they listen? Well, yeah, if you want to know about the guests first, we always post it on our social media. That way you don't have to wait until the episode drops. So if you want to know about our guest announcements and other social media, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. As always, to Ryan Sports Show on those social media platforms. But to get the episodes and make sure you're never missing one, be sure you're subscribed on Apple and Spotify. Leave a rating, leave a review if you're so inclined, if you're enjoying the show. But definitely follow us on social media. Find us on your preferred podcast app. And, and again, never miss an episode, never miss an announcement. Yeah, and uh, Ryan, we'll see everyone uh, on Wednesday next week. Yeah, happy championship week, everybody.